Welcome one and all to Comic Book Workshop. It is a podcast about the craft of making comics. I am Jason Hammonds, and I am not an expert. I'm just trying to learn all I can from those who do it best. On this episode, I chat with cartoonist Christine Larson, whose series Orcs is available now from Boom Studios. We dive deep into her process, discussing her inspirations, talk about the things she's learned from teaching, and all the real nitty-gritty stuff she's learned about how to put out work you can be proud of. Make sure you go to your local comic shop and ask for more orcs. I'm personally asking that favor of you because I really freaking like this book and I would love it if uh, the sales numbers on it are such that it can just sort of keep going. Um, It's one of my favorite books out right now. Christine is a superb cartoonist. If that doesn't come through with all the compliments that I pay her throughout this interview, um, then then let this be the statement of of that. Um, If you're not reading Orcs right now, I feel very bad for you and I hope that you fix that very soon. Um, But before we, uh, you know, get into all that good stuff, um, let's let's catch up for a second. Um, As I said last week, I've been uh, writing some stories for anthologies lately, which has been amazing. And I'm continuously uh, learning more from this process. Um, And it's nice taking that stuff back into uh, my personal work. You know, I've I've been working on iPatch McForce short stories uh, for the last little while. And like, it's been cool collaborating with other people for a bit and and like, you know, honing back in on like, how I write for other people. Um, it's been helping actually like clarify and improve my writing process for myself as I dive back into some, um, eye patch stuff. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. I think here, here's the thing that I've learned particularly for short stories, but I honestly think it probably helps for long form stuff too. Um, it's something that I used to do, um, when I first started writing, and then kind of straight away from the more I learned and, um, you know, like I, I tried to make my process more, you know, polished and like whatever I thought it was supposed to be like. Um, but the, the thing that I've learned and come back to is um, the benefit of writing a uh, very short and very loose outline before you really start to try and get into any structural stuff. Um the benefit for me is that you can kind of, if you just write organically, like let's say you do an outline that's like a page, two pages, you know, whatever, like a very, you know, dense outline that is contained, that's not insanely detailed. And you just kind of go with the flow organically from whatever your sort of, uh, you know, hierarching like idea is, whatever your high concept is, like just fucking run on that, like, and, and type for a while get yourself to whatever ending you sort of bring yourself to right and it's probably going to be really bad like it's going to be a shitty shitty outline and it's not going to be anything you're ever going to want to show somebody um anyone who reads it's going to lose faith in you truly as a as a writer uh but it will benefit you because you will then have a story that has a beginning a middle and an end albeit maybe bad ones or maybe it's a decent beginning and a decent ending but it's a bad middle um, but you'll have something there that you can chip away at. And the thing that I I find I really thrive in is typing that way, typing organically, or you know, even if you're writing longhand, whatever, if you're writing stuff out organically in that way, and you you can kind of surprise yourself and 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 come to an interesting 
conclusion in the story or take interesting turns in the story that you wouldn't have otherwise done. And maybe it'll sort of, you'll find that there's like an open door somewhere in the middle that like could, you know, be kind of a, a, a plot diversion that unlocks and, and, and explores interesting things about your world. Or maybe it'll just be, you know, that the actual, the conclusion of the story itself is one that you might not have expected to begin with. Um, maybe it's repeated imagery, maybe it's whatever, right? Um, but you'll find some interesting things within that organic process that you'll want to keep. There's a lot of shit you're going to want to take away. There's a lot of stuff you're going to want to delete, rewrite, you know, do away with whatever. But there will be some very interesting stuff that, that you'll want to keep. And then you can go back over that very, very terrible, bad outline and, you know, set that stuff up, right? Like if, it, if it's your ending that you arrived at that's really interesting and that you like, then you can go back to the beginning and start, you know, like planting the seeds and foreshadowing or distracting from it. Um, you know, and, and creating a structure that, that will make that ending satisfying. Um, I know it's something that I think it's Neil Gaiman. I've like heard him sort of talk about that's that that's how he write books is that he'll just like write all the way until the end and then, you know, go back and, and, uh, make it make sense. Um, but I, but I think this is very helpful. And if it's, you know, the shorter it is, the more condensed it is, uh, the easier it is to sort of edit that stuff from a really, really high level, you know, so that you're not knocking over a bunch of dominoes anytime you do that, you know, that, that, that there's a pretty contained amount that you can sort of, it's not a big deal if you have to, you know, put one back up, metaphorically speaking, um, you know, but if it's a giant, you know, long thing, then, you know, you're just going to have all of this mess to try and correct, um, and so, you know, I, 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 I've found some really amazing and organic things coming out of that process. Um, and it, again, it, it speaks to the, the old and cliched adage of writing is rewriting. Um, but it is kind of true, you know, like if you can do this without thought of, you know, structure or, you know, even, or probably even page count, like whatever it is, you know, if you can just write in that organic way and then go back and make it fit what you're looking for or what you're really wanting to bring out of it, then it will be both organic and structured and organized, right? Like, you know, that you can, you can have kind of both things, but if you're kind of starting from like an idea and then trying to go immediately into like, you know, outlining beat by beat and like, you know, structuring the act like from, from a vague idea that you had from a high level idea to go right into like story arcs, it can sometimes be a little limiting for me personally, maybe other people are, I don't know, smarter and better, but I, I have to like literally defecate all over my page, uh, and then try and sort of like sift through it to find something interesting. Um, if that imagery is, isn't, um, graphic enough for you. Um, you know, but like truly it's, it's nice to just have like, to know like, Hey, what I'm going to do first is make something very bad and then try and make something good out of that very, very bad thing. Um, it gets you out of your head. It gets you out of your insecurities. And I personally think that the end result ends up better than what you would have done if you hadn't have written something bad to begin with. So take that for what it's worth. It's a lesson that, you know, I learned. And, and again, you know, as all of these little uh, uh, tangents at the beginning are, it's just stuff that I've been picking up and stuff that I've been learning and and that works for me may or may not work for you, but uh, hopefully a few of you out there get something out of it. Um, but before we get on into the interview, I want to uh, let you all know about our friends at Panel by Panel Magazine. This episode is brought to you by Panel by Panel, um, and I could not tell you how much I love uh, this magazine. We've talked about it on the show before, and it is one of my favorite places um, to to read about comics and to learn, honestly. like They are such an amazing learning resource because it is... 
a collection of very, very smart minds writing about comics, many of them creators themselves. Um, and each issue tends to focus on one particular topic, whether that's a comic or, you know, sort of like they, they recently had their, you know, comics we loved in 2020 year. Um, but generally speaking, they will focus on, on one story or one category of stories or whatever. Um, you know, and so recently they had an issue about James Heron's ultra mega, uh, where they, you know, dove deep into the book. Um, you know, they had an interview with James Heron himself about, you know, his work and his process. Um, there's an article about just visual storytelling, which is amazing by Hassan Otzman Elhow, who's obviously always, you know, a brilliant absolute genius, um, amazing letterer and, and, you know, just an incredible mind in the comics world. Um, there's also, you know, essays about the manga influences in, in modern comics. Um, and then you've of course got the regular things that they include in every issue, like a short comic and, and various writing about, you know, comics from all over sort of the, the, the sphere, the, the world, the universe, um, but you can go back and, you know, read stuff like, uh, you know, issue 46 about Jana or uh, issue 42 about the seeds from uh, Anne Nascenti and, and uh, David Aha. Um, of course, there's, you know, 36, which is the romance issue. I really love that issue. Um, and, you know, Batman Universe from issue 33, the webcomics issue from 31. Or let's say, you know, you, you love uh, Matt Fraction, former guest of the show. Issue 29, all about November. Issue 28 is all about Sentient, the amazing book from Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Hernandez-Walta. Um, or, you know, you're a Spider-Man guy, go to issue 26, Spider-Man Life Story. It's an amazing magazine. I truly cannot tell you how much I love it. I am constantly reading and rereading uh, each issue of Panel by Panel because they are absolutely some of the best minds on comics, uh, writing about some of the best books in comics. So if you love craft like I, of course, do... <laughs> Go and check them on out. Um, you know, their, their new issues cost $3.99. You can get awesome, amazing bundles. Uh, uh, you know, there's the, the, you know, each year, right? Like you can go to year one, year two, or year three and buy a bundle of all those issues. Um, or you can just subscribe for $3.50 a month. That'll save you 50 cents on each new issue. It's a low cover price and you're getting a lot of amazing content out of it. So head on over to gumroad.com slash panel X panel. Um, and make sure to tweet him some love and let him know that uh, Jason sent you. That would do me a nice little favor. Um, but truly, read it. It will help your work. It helps mine constantly. Without further ado, though, let's just, let's freaking get on into the interview. It's Christine Larson. What are you doing listening to me? Let's go. And I am here with Christine Larson. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, today we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of varied things, especially your your new series from Boom uh, or, or from the Kaboom imprint of Boom, uh, uh, your series Orcs. Tell me a little bit, you know, sort of before we pull the camera back and look at the 30,000 foot view and go through all your various uh, origins and stuff. Tell me a bit about Orcs. Where does the series come from and, and, and what's it about? Uh, I mean, it originated uh, some years ago when I was doing an art book that was actually full of orcs. Uh, for a while, my morning warm-up would be mm -hmm. drawing, I mean, monsters, but mostly I would focus on orcs. I'm a big Tolkien fan and just like okay. general creatures. Uh, and, right. and they had centered themselves in a lot of my um, warm-up processes. So I was putting an sure. art book together and part of the Kickstarter for that was to do a little zine of like an orc adventure. And that's where it okay. started. The world kind of uh -huh. grew out of that. 
Right. That that makes a lot of sense. I I remember like seeing something um oh I was it was in preparation for this interview. I was, you know, sort of going through like your various stuff, looking on your <clears throat> website and and saw that you had like a YouTube page and so then I went onto the YouTube page and saw like oh here are, like videos of drawing orcs. I'm like from 2015. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Whoa, this is this is something that's been gestating for a while." Yeah, um, definitely have orcs like like i guess a uh, first question to lead into that is is how long have you been drawing is is that just your entire life or what i mean like i feel like any like anyone i've been drawing as a kid since i was a kid right. um and i i think i've wanted to draw for a living since i was a kid i first wanted to go into scientific illustration but you need a oh, ridiculous amount of schooling for scientific right. illustration yeah because it's all got to be so exact and like right and as much as i do enjoy like learn like science and math and stuff i hate school mm. so i um, <laughs> for illustration because i do like um assignment-based work uh right. stuff i need uh, a, a jumping off point uh people sure. who go and create entire series just from there i i can't even imagine that so totally. i need somewhere to start and then i can kind of go i i'm i'm I so relate to that. And honestly, I mean, I relate to that from both a drawing and a writing standpoint. When I draw, like, I, I'm I'm not a very good artist. Like, if I'm just sort of sitting down to, like, draw a thing, yeah. I am so much better drawing sequentials than I am drawing a pinup piece. Because with sequentials, I know what I'm drawing, right? Like, right, I'm right. like, okay, there's, you know, someone needs to be mad at this other person. Or I need to show this, you know, like, this person's hand picking something there's, up or whatever, there's right? There's motivation there. Exactly. There's right. motivation. And I am so bad at being like, okay, I'm just going to draw Superman. What's he going to do? I don't know. <laughs> you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty and... good at that stuff. But yeah, no, I got you. Like the, the <laughs> less, I actually, I like limitations because I always feel like limitations, right. uh, overcoming them to get the aesthetic you want is almost an art form in and of itself, especially like when right. you're talking about doing work for zines or work that you have to do no bleed or there's only a certain totally. amount of pages you have. And I think those kind of like technical limitations, I always like the outcome of those because getting around them is a fun mm -hmm. creative challenge. Yeah, it's like where the 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 sort of um, originality or like the, you know, that that's where you have to like try and, you know, invent something to sort of figure out the limitations. I like... <laughs> Because I also even in in writing, right? I, I there's a couple of artists that I work with um, from time to time, and what I love is like, okay, here's an anthology we want to submit a story for. Uh, uh, here's like sort of the page limits or whatever, and then I'll just ask the artist like, what do you feel like drawing lately, right? Because it's hard right. for me to just be like, here's a story to put into five pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they'll be like, you know, oh, I love cyberpunk, or like, oh, I'm I'm really into fantasy right now, or like maybe something with music, you know? And I'm like, oh, right. sick, okay, great, awesome, like you know, yeah. like then yeah. I can do something. Totally. So I. I relate to that really hard. Um, but but I'm curious then. So obviously, it sounds like, you know, orcs, you just end up drawing them a lot when you're, you know, doing warm ups or doodling or whatever. Right. Uh, uh, how long has that been? Like, did you were you drawing orcs as a kid when you were just sort yes. of doodling around? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I, so when I was like this kind of like fantasy monsters and especially fantasy monsters that are uh -huh. relegated to like lackeys or just those sort of throwaway characters that's has always been what's captured my imagination like okay. i always loved frankenstein's monster but more mm. than that i've always liked the orcs in tolkien's lord of the rings and the hobbit sure. the goblins because <laughs> you have like little peeks into who they are and they're right you know irreverent and funny and um sure. cruel a little bit but like in mm. a like unsettlingly charming way like i it's like 
it's interesting to me what all the guys that kind of get two seconds on screen, like what's the rest of their day? It's that whole thing where right. you're sitting in a car and you see someone passing you by and they're like in the middle of road rage. And you're like, what is that person's <laughs> life like? Like, like totally. what was the morning and, and then the week before that led to like this moment of this just guy ah, like freaking out, like driving down <laughs> yeah. the, the, the highway. Totally, and, yeah. It's like, did he spill coffee in his lap this morning right. and then just the rest of his day has been screwed since then? <laughs> right. And so I think that, you know, as as someone who's like, you know, come up in like the working class, like I always kind of like those working yeah. class villains because they may not be doing it for any lofty goals. They're doing it for the dental. Right. So it's, I've always, I liked that. I've always liked that kind of concept. Sure. Sure. We're as you've drawn orcs over the years and sort of fleshed out these stories or whatever, is there, have you latched onto certain aesthetic preferences where you go, Oh, when people draw orcs this way or represent orcs this way, I hate that. Or like, Oh, I really like these sort of qualities in orcs. Like, are there those things that you've kind of, so there's things that I obviously prefer to draw no. or handle in a certain way because it's just my perspective and how I like to draw right. it. But I have like this big beef with people who believe that things that are fictional and fantasy, even stuff that's based in folklore, which it may right. come from, you know, uh, a, you know, a cultural or uh, uh, a longer uh, ethnic or whatever history. Right. It's still not real. So right. if you're like telling me that mermaids have to look a certain way or sirens have to look a certain <laughs> way or sure. minotaur have to be done a certain way. No, it's mm-hmm. not real. These were just <laughs> fake characters made when they were made. Right. And I think a fake character now can be represented however the person drawing it wants to represent it. Like however you want to, it's like when people make superheroes, like, you know, different genders or different um, ethnicities or different, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a black cat in America and the internet goes crazy. It's like, guys, this right. guy never existed to begin with. <laughs> he can do totally, yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's that thing where people react as if you're saying like, you know, Abraham Lincoln wasn't the president of the United States or something like they'll act like it's this right. concrete factual right. thing like, that cannot right. be altered. Like it's, like it's history and not, and not something yeah. that was manifested from people's imaginations to begin with, to either explain totally. Uh, event that they couldn't understand or just to explain their world in a way that made sense to them or right. to entertain each other you know right, right. so yeah, I, yeah i'm a little when people get crazy about that stuff it's like all right calm down guys i know it's like stuff comes out of a place it's totally. important to understand context but at the same time i think that there's you being weirdly there's a way to be conservative about like folklore and and fiction that's insane to me that i think is just right keeps the creativity out of it and and ultimately i do feel like you know comics more than a lot of mediums and and maybe more than almost any medium is 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 such an immediate sense like form of storytelling because Mm -hmm. it's almost always speaking to you know a moment like three months before it was published you know what i mean like where like it's a very sort of quick turnaround or it often has been particularly in the old you know the 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 um early days like and and i i like to remind myself as someone who i love to like delve into obviously in these interviews as well like not only people working now but also people who have always created characters i love to delve into the psyche right you know of like you know what are they thinking as they're creating this and stuff but i do think it's important to remember that like these are characters that were created um to sell bubblegum you know like right exactly. ultimately at the end of the day we're trying we're whatever you're trying to get across with these fictional mm-hmm. things is obviously like, important like i feel the same way about horror any kind of genre thing you're trying to get a point across like to people right. um whether it's a broad overarching theme or little tiny mm-hmm. moments of wisdom and however your vehicle for that 
the avatar doesn't matter. What matters right. is is how the story comes through. Um, sure. Orcs always worked for me for an avatar because I always liked I liked the cut of their jib. You know what I mean? Like I always, <laughs> they're not very grand and yeah. um, sparkly. They're a real lunch pail kind of uh, yeah, fantasy character. You know, they're gonna smack you in the knees with a baseball bat. I like I like <laughs> a guy. I like hands on kind of characters. Is what right, I'm right, yeah, yeah like your, your your uncle that works in the mines or whatever like the, you right. know definitely like okay yeah there's there's a sensibility there that is in common yeah, with I the mean, orcs we're, you know, we're not yeah my, i mean my pop was a longshoreman my uncles right. are all like truck drivers and carpenters you know right. what i mean like that's that's my family so totally not that they're orcs it's such a weird horrible thing to say but that <laughs> i like but i, I it, it's it's that personality work, yeah it's that work a day kind of thing right. i guess totally I, I i very much relate to that yeah uh uh so I'm curious for a lot of artists, I feel there's like, there's kind of this, this thing that happens, especially for comic artists where like either you were attracted to comics because you loved sort of drawing and visual art in that way already, or you fell into comics and started drawing as a result of that. It sounds like what I'm hearing is that you always drew and that comics might've sort of been a medium that attracted you because of the pictures or am I wrong? No, I actually didn't draw my first comic until I was um, like in my twenties. Oh, I just mean as a reader. Like, oh, as a reader? Uh, uh, I mean, I, yeah, only, yeah. I only read a couple. I didn't read. I don't read superhero books so much, not because I think they're right. bad or whatever. They just never really did it for me. Um, sure. But I read Tank Girl when I was a kid, and I was really into Kabuki and like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac uh, oh, yeah. and Milk and Cheese. So like, sure. and the Max. So there was like a couple from that time, but it was very like pick or choose. Like I was never like. I didn't care about the scene. I didn't get wizard magazine really. Like it was all just sure. more, uh, Oh, I like this stuff. And that was it. But what I liked, <laughs> I was obsessed with, like I have all those old Kabuki floppies. Um, oh, wow. I, yeah. Like I still have them. They're falling apart. I should get like the trades. Um, well, yeah, all- that was a tough print run to keep track of too. Like Kabuki, uh, I feel so- like went through so many different iterations. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, found, I found all those motherfuckers. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I have all the Johnny homicidal maniac from that original run. Uh-huh. So I really like because I was like you know like a punk goth kid like I so I I loved all that shit and then right. um and the tank girls I got as collections because I didn't really latch on the tank girl till um after I saw the movie uh when I was like 12, 13. Sure. and I was like Corey yeah. Perry's awesome this is all so cool and then I found the comic <laughs> and that's actually the first comic I read was Tank Girl. Oh my god! I I I worked on a show that Rachel Talalay, the director of Tank Girl, um, she directed an episode of our show, and I was like, so because I worked in post production, usually the director will come in for like a day or two to spend with the editor, yeah, and yeah. I was like so looking forward to her coming in and like you know working with our editor and stuff, and then she just ended up delivering her notes like over email because she had to go to another show or oh, something. Yeah. I was like, oh, it'd be so uh, dope. Yeah, like I know, like you know, Jamie Hewlett and um. Uh, I know the guys who did the the comic were not a big fan of the movie. Right. I'm like blanking yeah. on names. Um, um, then, Martin. Uh, What's Martin. his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Martin. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. I know those guys weren't a big fan of the movie, but I was the perfect age for that movie. movie. I was, I was like a 12, 13 year old, like into like punk and riot girl stuff. And I was like, that sure. was, that was the perfect movie for me at that time um, to get into the comic. And then I loved the comic yeah. like so much. Oh yeah. And, uh, totally. and that was probably when I got into comics was when I first read that. So, so yeah. And I, and I found that like, like I didn't start reading like Hellboy or the, or Eric Powell's The Goon, which I'm a big fan of, like oh, until yeah. in my twenties when I, I found those later. And I liked those a lot. Cause those also felt very like blue collar type of mm-hmm. superhero. 
type right. things. Um, definitely up my alley in terms of like how they <laughs> uh, portrayed their main guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. Though there's such a there's such an interesting sense, especially from the the you know non Marvel DC books of yeah. of that time period, right? Of sort of like the mid '90s. There's such an interesting and specific flavor not only flavor of cartooning but also just flavor of storytelling you know yes. like oh like the max was like, great I'll, it was so weird right like it right. was so bizarre i found that because of the mtv cartoon show and i sure, found yeah, that like yeah. more late 90s but like that was such a weird like comic and then tv show and right. i always like strange stuff you know that's right yeah like, very a little surreal a little absurdist it was it's interesting how there was such a like there was a hot minute there where there was such a boom on like uh, non superhero comic book adaptations, particularly into animation, but also just, you know, in live action, right? Mm-hmm. And so many of them, I mean, like the Max and like Spawn were very, you know, close to their source material for right. their adaptations. But like, like you say, like Tank Girl and mm-hmm. a lot of these other adaptations, it was such an interesting period where there was not much reverence given to the source material. No. And I think that that is, it can be very, you know, like, harmful in terms of storytelling quality but there's also something very interesting about some someone taking a, a loose concept and then yeah. going from that you know oh, yeah of course um i'm trying to think wasn't like dolph lundgren in the first punisher totally um, yeah or like the captain I'm, america where he's like a guy on a motorcycle yeah yeah so it's very bizarre but it's yeah. interesting in its own way i feel like you gotta like totally. you can't come at it as like a hardcore fan you gotta come at it with like a clean slate and kind of watch it for right. what it is and sometimes what it is is just like crazy and worth it right so like, and i like, think like go i was just i was just gonna say like you know one of my favorite adaptations from recent years was that hbo watchman show which like of course like getting into like rights and all yeah, the yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. shit about that is like a whole you know yeah that's its own mess like, but like right <laughs> yeah but like the story itself i thought it was really cool to take the theme of watchman and take sort mm-hmm. of the world of watchman and then tell a different story within right. that yeah, yeah. And i think that's a cool way of adapting because then you're not just retreading the same ground you're kind of right. like you know, playing yeah, jazz to the same baseline. Right. Well, you're, expo- you're, you're exploring the universe a little bit, which I think, and it's also, right. uh, it happened after the events of the comic, if I recall. Yeah. I didn't watch yeah. it. <laughs> My husband keeps telling me I have to watch it so that we can compare notes. I, it's, I know it's <laughs> the best movie ever done. I just sure. haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't taken the time to sit. I haven't had a lot of time. I've just been working on this so much hey, that like, yeah. I can't, um, like that looked like something I had to like watch right like anything sure. i have to like yeah. watch right now like there's so much stuff i want to watch that's like all these samurai movies came out on um Hulu oh my God. that i yeah. can't i can't watch them right now because i'm like just trying to finish this book up and it's like because it's all subtitled i can't yep exactly <laughs> totally i have that same problem <laughs> i've been i've been dying to rewatch the studio ghibli catalog and right. I, I can't because i don't want to like I, a i want to look at the yeah, you beautiful watch the animation pictures. that's the whole point yeah 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 but B, I also don't like most of the dubs aren't amazing, That's fair. you know. And so, like, That's fair. I feel like the um, Spirited Away one is good, and I like yeah. what they did. The I don't know if they redubbed Princess Mononoke from from what they had, but I like the Prince, Princess Mononoke dub. But I know I have the For old sure. Totoro that uh, right. Trauma Films oh, put out. Yes. Like it has the Trauma logo in the beginning of it. Like it's the <laughs> Which old is the DVD. Wildest thing ever. Yeah. Oh my god. So I was because my son's really into Totoro right now, so it has the old okay. dubbing on it which everyone sure. says everyone's like oh it's like a gem i'm like okay whatever the the dvd uh, is garbage but it's a <laughs> it's a good he likes it he's 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 a little guy so he's into when, it when did you first discover ghibli i i'm like now i, I had never picked at it before but i feel like i can sense 
a similar sensibility in a lot of your work as as what it was you on know, Nickelodeon in the eighties. Okay, I saw Totoro and uh, Nausicaa: Valley of the Wind in the eighties oh. on Nickelodeon, and actually Nausicaa was a movie that when I was in like in college i'm like what is this movie because i saw it as a kid and i remembered the red eyes on the bug creatures Whoa, and i wow. couldn't remember what movie it was from and i was i'm like does have anyone right. else seen it and they're like you mean it's like it's like the most famous ghibli movie i don't fucking know i'm like some like, i'm <laughs> some dirt ball from the pine barren so nice. i'm like oh okay so i like found it again <laughs> in college which was cool um but yeah it was like an yeah. image those those the bug creatures were an image in my mind for like most of my young adult like my my adolescent life like what is this movie so i finally found it um and then also the sci-fi channel my parents used to steal cable when i was a kid so the sci-fi channel before it had like programming and saturday mornings would play all these weird uh animes uh 80s Mm. anime from like the 70s and 80s so there was a couple of those that like i like googled furiously once like google finally became a thing like like about 10 years ago (laughs) and i finally found like a couple of them that were very um i probably shouldn't have watched them at the age of nine that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) yeah so (laughs) anime is in there like i I used to watch sailor moon and and tenchi muyo i used to love all that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah right i i find it so fascinating that um in in Japanese culture, and then I want to get back to one other thing, but that that in Japanese culture, both in animation and in comics, they have such a um, a more flexible view of what the medium can be used for, right? Like yeah. in the U.S., it's it's so rare for like an adult animated show that's not a sitcom to happen, you know? Like yes, well, I mean, so many things went into that. The Comic Code comes into that, right. like throughout the the fifties and sixties. General culture. I mean, it's because of the because we used to have at one point pulp stunning comics in the same way that they would have in Europe or that they have in Japan. Um, So we had that. And then there was this fear that like, well, comics are for kids and these kids are reading all these horror comics or all these like romance comics or whatever. And right. so a lot of that got pulled back. So there's just culturally a big step to make there in terms right. of like the plebes. If you get outside of people who are into comics, I'm not talking people who know superhero movies. I'm talking people who are into like right. the sequential storytelling. They don't totally. know. They don't know any of this shit. It's all like right. if I went and I told someone I'm a cartoonist, they're like, oh, like Spider-Man. Sure. OK. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. But that's that is the cultural gap that you have to bridge in sure. order to get people to be re- like in order for businessmen to be reading crime dramas in comic book form on the subway, which is stuff that they do in Japan. Right. Uh, or I mean, I think sure. Europe, even France has a good uh, look on comics oh, in the same yeah. way. Uh, but to get to there, we're not there yet. I think we're probably a generation or two away from that. Yeah. I think it definitely feels like there's progress being made. Mm-hmm. And I think like the people you know, it's, it's, you look at it for whatever it is, but I think that a lot of the people who started or spent time in like the Marvel DC world that then did indie comics that are now being adapted into this or that, like are somehow, you know, breaking that thread for the main audiences who are like seeing invincible on TV or whatever and going like, Oh, okay. Even though it's superheroes, but I actually think the people who probably did the most groundwork on making comics, a broader medium are people who do web comics. 
and and that's very true and the the tumblr culture which brought in another a different visual aesthetic than what was in main comics because if you just bring it to tv you're just changing mediums like yeah it's it's like a property that changed mediums but to make the medium valid you need to bring in a whole generation of people reading those kinds of books and validating those kinds of books as their own kind of art uh yeah it's only recently that comics have made it into bigger publishers like Harper Collins or Simon Schuster right. or Random House. Yeah. And those Yeah, like the freaking Simon Schuster didn't have a comics imprint at all until like what well, two years ago, something like that? Uh well they they have the YA they now that's more recent, but they had the the Simon Schuster um did publish like manga through a like a sub- subsidiary. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Like they they brought in other books. Right. Um, yeah, but they weren't like greenlighting original graphic exactly. novels or anything. And yeah. so as much as people want to, you know, there's a, and I'm one of them that like people like complain about YA books and how big they are right now and how everyone's pushing them right now. Honestly, let it happen because that yeah. means in, I mean, I'm, those people are growing up. To yeah, be adult in, readers. 10, in 10, 15 years, those adult comic readers are going to want to read adult comic books, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. you can't bring, you can't bring in a bunch of people who want to do comics uh, you know what I mean? Like right. all my students love yeah. all kinds of comics. That's great. But you all want to do comics. You need to bring right. in readers who are just going to be readers of comics so that yeah. that's how the medium grows and becomes more robust and how you can tell more right. stories because there's more people taking in the medium. Right. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, you know, for, for kids who read orcs right mm-hmm. now, right. 10 years from now, if you were to decide to do like a pretty, you know, mature, I mean, I'm going to uh, do it in two uh, years, but like, hopefully, right, right. Yeah, but what I mean is, yeah, there's enough subversive stuff in here that when they get older, they, they like both fantasy and psychedelia and someone can do some weird <laughs> fantasy psychedelia for them and they'll be down with it. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I want to get into some of the, the process talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, you know, we talked before how how uh, tangents happen, and I'm definitely as guilty of tangents as anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but I'm curious. So, you know, people always want to hear about tools and what you use and stuff like that. I the thing that I I am always very curious to hear about is what how do you use your tools, right? Like, what what tools do you have that you feel like you have a very specific use case for that like comes in handy in your process? Oh, I mean, I'm mostly a brush inker for the most part okay. and then like nib is for like smaller details because i am doing these pages like two up like it's a spread at a time oh, wow. um mm-hmm. some of the panels get kind of small and doing that with a brush with my old old wrists really hurts so sure. uh, i mean i'm not that old but i guess in cartoonist years it's like dog years you can't uh, yeah those, those so- are those are city miles <laughs> not highway miles <laughs> so uh so when it comes to like smaller areas i do use a, a nib i use vintage nibs because they mimic the uh-huh. look of a brush the most in terms right. of how thin and thick they can get, how bouncy they are. So I will use vintage nibs for, for the smaller areas um, just because they blend in a little nicer. Uh, right. But I, I won't say I have super specific uses. I guess the fountain pens are mostly what I letter with. I don't draw uh-huh. in my comics a ton with fountain pens. But I can't say that because I did do a whole comic in fountain pens once for Boom. So it's, <laughs> I I will pick my medium because I like playing with lots of stuff and I'm kind of right. artistically schizophrenic in terms mm-hmm. of like what medium I like to use. I'll, sure. uh, I'll pick what I'm doing for whatever I'm doing more Got than it. anything. But brushes, brush and ink is probably my favorite. So if we were to compare your process and obviously, you know, one is different because you're, you're, you're not writing the story, but like comparing by night to orcs, how, how does your artistic process change between those two books? I mean, not a ton, to be honest. Okay. Uh, then the, when, when John would send me a script, 
I break down mm-hmm. a script the same way I write for myself. And that it is, I break it down okay. in spreads and I do layouts for it. I would do his layouts digitally, like all my stuff for Orcs, because I was writing it. I have a notebook for it. But oh. um, for for John's stuff, I would just do it on the computer, because then I would print it directly on board, pencil it, and then ink on top of that. But I pencil and colored pencil so that I can just, I don't have to erase anything. I just suck the lines right. out in Photoshop. You just, yeah, going, which, uh, which pro- I feel like I've seen three or four different processes that people use for taking the, the colored lines out of Photoshop. What do you use? I use um, the channel mixer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's me too. Oh, I've seen so, like no, weird, I use, like, okay. Yeah. So I use selective color to suck the lines out and then I use the channel mixer if I do two color inks to separate my inks. Got it. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, like, give me an example for your, like for two color inks. What are, what do you tend to, I mean, can I share my screen? I'll show you. So I, uh, <laughs> so you, uh, I converted to CMYK cause I color in CMYK and then, okay, yeah, um, I use selective color to make the white pure white to make up. I usually use a red. I'll make that magenta. And then I'll use the black and make it as black as I can. Okay. And then I go. So when, into, so when you're talking about two inks, you're talking about like what you know, one thing on the page you'll ink in red ink, basically. Right. And then another thing I'll okay. ink in black ink. And then sure, the sure, pencils sure. will be like yellow. I usually do yellow pencils for that because um, yellow just it barely scans, and you can just suck yeah. it right out. That's really um, smart. I always use blue just because like blue feels like the tradition, but well, yellow to no, me feels yeah. like the smartest thing to do. Yeah. Well, because because scanners don't. I mean, maybe they do have some higher end scanners that will, but scanners don't do the non-photo blue. Non-photo blue is for like Xerox machines, which I don't have one of them. So I use, I use yellow usually to scan if I don't want to deal with too much like that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Do you find any problem like just in the naked eye seeing your yellow pencils on the page at all? Like, do you have to no, squint to look like at them? it's a goldenrod yellow. It's good okay. enough. I do a lot of drawing in ink also. It just has to be enough for me to see. Sometimes Got if it. I'm working on something real complicated, I'll do yellow and red. And then I just okay. won't do a dual color. Right. Uh, but a lot of times also, if, if something's real complicated, I want to do it in two colors. I'll pencil my tight my tight my tight pencil and then <laughs> i'll scan that and print it in yellow on board okay and that right. way it's not like a big mess of pencil lines it's just the sure. yellow line on the board like 20 percent yellow and that's okay, dark. that's dark enough for me under a sure. blue like under a, a color corrected light for sure 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 yeah so when you're penciling mm-hmm. I, I i and this is another one of those things where maybe i'm viewing dichotomies where there are none but like I, I, I feel like when we're at, when I'm looking at people's processes, there are people who pencil very, very loose and then tighten up in their inks. And I mm-hmm. think there are people who get very, very precise and detailed in their pencils, and then they will strip that detail out in their inks. Which side of that scale do you feel like you fall on? The first one, definitely. Yeah, because if, if I'm going to... Um... If there's like patterns, what I will do is if it's like I have to draw scales or a pattern or something, I'll right. draw, I'll physically draw like the grid, the grid over the form. Right. So if it's like a, okay. like if it's a snake and I'm doing scales along the snake and I'm going to draw every scale because I do stupid shit like right. that, I'll do I'll draw <laughs> rings yeah. around the snake. I'll draw like uh, a spiral around the snake, but I'll draw through right. the whole thing. So you're constructing sort of the skeleton. Right. And then I'll go through and do the scales on top of that and just eyeball right. that because I'll have a grid to work off of. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, so you're giving yourself like a um, construction. It, construction I, lines. Yeah, I yeah. I put my construction lines down, and then I do all my detailing in ink. Do you do the same thing with faces? Like, are you someone who will put like sort of the construction lines on a face and like kind of measure out based on that at all, or no? Kind of loosely. It so okay. 
Yes, because I have to make sure the character is consistent, right? Like, okay. I got to make sure those eyes are falling in the same spot every time. But no, because right. I'm not doing, especially with works, I'm not doing any kind of like highly detailed rendering right. of a face. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't necessarily put the X on, but kind of like it's like a little T, you know? Okay. So I know how, yeah. you know, how the head's turned. Um, right. There's something comforting in that, I guess. It's just been <laughs> part of my life for a long time. But, yeah. uh, I don't go in. I saw someone once draw a face and it was like, like there was a lot of work they were doing to measure out the lines on the face. I was like, God damn, like, I don't know what you're trying to do right now, but I'm, I'm here. I'm watching it. It just felt right, like forever yeah. to get to the actual drawing of the face. The, the bane of my existence is that I took one drawing class as a teenager that taught me so much like, you know, measure this out. The ear is exactly this. And like, this is how you construct. And I, every single page I draw, I'm just trying to like get those things out of my head so I can draw looser yeah. and faster. Cause I don't have that much time. All I, all the, all the only big things you got to remember is like, you know, ears are about mid head, your elbows mm-hmm. fall at your waist, your hands fall mid thigh and your feet are the size of your forearm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Listen, listen, li- listeners at home, drawing pages. That Christine just summed up the principles of drawing the figure Proportion. in about five seconds. Let's for the people in the back who might have been, you know, making a sandwich or whatever. Repeat that one more time. So their ears fall mid head. the The yeah. average person's about seven head heights high. Yeah. Um, six to seven. I think the mm-hmm. the uh, heroic proportions are like eight or nine. Um, okay. So ears are mid head. Your elbows are at your waist, your hands fall mid-thigh, and your feet are the size of your forearm. The inside of your Incredible. forearm. Like, if you took yeah, your yeah. foot and, like, put it up on the inside of your forearm, it's the same. You don't think so because it looks fucking huge, but it's true. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. do it. Yeah. It's the can inside confirm. of your forearm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have long legs, but <laughs> Christine can see me contorting myself uh, at don't my fall. desk here. <laughs> <laughs> you just go down and never come back up. Yeah, it's an interview over. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Um, I did stub my toe a little bit on the desk, but, uh, <laughs> so one thing I, I really love about your process is, is, um, like just generally your use of inks. Like there's so many specific things, like the way that you create depth in your inks, the, the way that like, I don't know, it's, it's so rare. And maybe it's just because like, I am someone who that's probably my weakest part of the process. Like, I feel like for me, it's like writing, then coloring, then Aww. a big gap, then penciling. <laughs> oh, and then like no. way below that is like, you know, inks, uh, <laughs> for you, like, I feel like inking is something that's a huge strength for yours. What do you feel like are some of the things that you've done to sort of master that process? Um, I mean, one, I've been inking, like specifically brush inking since college mm-hmm. or since my senior year of college. Wow. So it helps that I got it like, you know, sure. I got some decades behind my belt. In terms <laughs> of inking. Um, You've got like one or two years behind you. Yeah. I'm 39. You know what I mean? That's like, so I've been inking since I was 19. I've been inking for 20 years. So boom, right. ink for 20 years. There you go. <laughs> Um, right, right. But even more, I mean, I've I've had it like I, I'd like to think I had a good handle on it before then. Um, yeah. One of the big things, one of the big things I did when I left school um, to kind of tighten up my inks and also to get better at inking is um, I switched for a while over to Chinese painting brushes, and I actually studied a lot. Uh, books mostly those are the big ones right like those giant huge there's brushes. a bunch of them i actually still ink a lot with the chinese painting brushes i really love them um wow. but i would i i have a bunch of books on different the chinese ink painting style and how to okay. use those brushes i feel like you get a really cheap 
Sumi brush from Dick Blick and you make that do what you want and you would be surprised at like the level of brush control. But I have a ton. Yeah. Like you want to see them? I'll show you my brushes. Please, right yeah. Yeah. So I got like this I, guy. I'm this such a neophyte when it comes to brushes. I've only ever used like either brush pens or calligraphy pens and I've only ever used like three because I'm trying to like get myself to learn the art before I start focusing on like yeah, what am I, I using? Got, you know what I mean? I got a lot of these. They're great. So um, oh, the, nice. Asian, the Asian calligraphy brushes. So there's Chinese painting uh -huh. brushes and there's Sumi brushes. Um, and I'm sure there's more than that that I just don't know about because I'm not, sure. I don't know everything. But uh, <laughs> I prefer the Chinese painting brushes. There's a couple of... Um, uh, Etsy shops that I buy them from that if you want, mm. I'll send you the links. The, the, the one sure, I have yeah. that still is open. They're really good. It takes, you have to wait a, like a month for them to get to you, but they're great. Oh, wow. Um, in terms of like, what maybe, maybe I'll share those with the listeners. If they, if they, uh, beg, if they ask nicely, I'll, I'll let yeah, the listeners well, know yeah, who, what those links are. I'll, I'll send you the, I'll send you the, the list of stuff. Um, it'll the, be on our Twitter. Yeah. Just toss it on your Twitter. Uh, <laughs> But I, I really like those brushes because, and I even, I still use them a lot and I still watercolor with them a lot because you can get a lot mm. of liquid, whatever it is, whether it's watercolor or ink into them. And you can do really broad strokes and really tiny strokes. And so much of my own inking process has been less looking at how other cartoonists ink and more just trying to develop how I want to express depth. So I was right. looking more at etchings. Uh, whether it's Western etchings or whether you look at more like Eastern ink painting, all that uh -huh. stuff can kind of influence what you can do in your own work. Uh, right. So I never tried to look at it like these are the comic techniques. I'm right, just right. trying to make the best looking piece I can make sure. with the skills that I have. Are you often, are, do you think about like um, line width when it's, or, you know, or like line, um, weight when it's coming when it comes to like depth of the frame like are you making your like background lines a lot thinner yeah, than yeah, your foreground yeah. or vice versa like, yeah i try to i try to lighten those up no but it depends because if there's a lot of heavy shadow in the background i have a lot of spot black back there right, it's right. all very dependent on what i'm trying to convey uh sure so it's hard for me to be like oh the lines in the front are always thicker <laughs> than the lines in the back i'll say the lines on the lighter parts i want to be lighter are always right. lighter than the parts i want to be darker and i break well, it's always mine. about contrasting right yeah, like if yeah. most of the frame is going to be blacked out then of course like the thing that's in focus or the thing that's like the focal point of the panel but is going to be lighter like, even if i was like drawing my head right here the lines on this side of my right. head would be super thin and the lines on this like the darker sure. side would be darker um so you're 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 inking like when when you're going through your inking process does is light source the thing that's mostly like driving your decision making yeah and if i'm not 100 percent on my light source i just light everything like a flash bulb went off um okay and then i'll like fix it in post but mostly sure, just like I, a shadow I, under the chin or yeah. like on the bottom of an arm or whatever or, or even at like but that's like more stuff that i'm doing off the cuff normally when i'm right. working on a page i have a fairly good idea of how i want my light sources to go that makes sense um so wh which part of your process and and one thing i find just to sort of you know contextualize this or whatever i i felt when I'm reading orcs that your coloring process particularly on this book had uh, grown leaps and bounds since the last project that I saw you work on and, and color yourself. What was um, and I don't, uh, the last one that I saw that you worked on? Oh man, I'm actually trying to remember. I have a list right here. Cause I think Cause you on by night, you had someone coloring you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sarah colored my works on by night. So before that, I mean, it was Holy Diver was the, right. the book I did right before Orcs. Um, okay, I, I, I had not read Holy Diver yet, so maybe maybe I would have seen it a little bit more. Because when was the last time you'd colored yourself before that? I mean, I always color my own work when I'm not... Like, the Adventure Time stuff is all me. 
I colored all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it, got so, it. Okay. yeah, I colored my own. I like, guess maybe I was just looking at something that was super, super you know, early of yours. And thinking. Well, I mean, so I'll change my coloring style based on what it is. Uh, right, this right. is a fantasy book. So I'm yeah. going, I'm doing all the lighting. I'm doing all the lighting effects and and, and glowies, like everything I can. Yeah. Like This is a Peter Jackson movie. God damn it. We're not <laughs> I'm fucking around. I'm like channeling Ridley Scott's legend and that's my book, right. you know? So, yeah. um, which is different than if I'm doing like I'm doing Unicorn Fight Squad, which is a bunch of like punk rock chicks in the city, like right. busting heads. That's a different sure. color. Like I want to do that. Like um, I mean, when it's black and white, but if I ever did it to do color, I'd probably only do like one spot color, and that's a different uh, art yeah. form to me than doing right. a full color book and just as valid. Sure. I think something I like just as much. Totally. Yeah. When, when you're choosing, you know, when you're, when you're sort of figuring out the color palette and color scheme for a page, are you, are you like applying gradient maps and then sort of like mixing from there? Or do you mix like all manually and? No, to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your process? How, I, how do you I, go through I, it? I throw down my flats and then um, uh-huh. I do them in like foreground, middle ground, background. And then okay. I will go in and put down uh, gradients into, uh, uh, to put the environmental lighting in. And then right. I'll toss in some cell shading to bring in the shadows and the highlights. That's it. Like it's very much a um, formula at this point. I Got can it. get a page. So, like, so in your flats, in your in your flats, you are like you're finding your palette while you're like you're, the colors that you're picking for your flats are sort of kind of where they're going to end up palette wise. Yeah, kind of. I mean, all the orcs have designated colors, right? right? So I give them all their colors, and if something has to be. Because the environmental lighting affects the color so much, yeah. the color I chose for all the bases are actually very desaturated and even a little darker than you might think. And then once right, I so put, that, that way, when you get like a very saturated light, it's going to still print if you're exactly. So, so right. then when I apply all the layers on top of that, those are all like overlay and hard light layers. So it brightens yeah, yeah. and lightens everything. So right. that's why you get such a big sense of environmental light with it. But a lot of it starts yeah, yeah, with yeah. having like a base color that kind of works. It's always so interesting to me the way that people like the way that colors specifically differ on their ways to apply lighting. Cause like, for instance, for me, I will, I'll lay down like, you know, general flats. Like I'll have kind of a guide for like what each character is and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And just kind of like pick a green for some trees or whatever, like where I kind of feel, you know, if the value contrast is right or whatever, but then I'll use, you know, like a, a gradient mapping layer of like, you know, okay, this is going to be like an orange and purple scene, right? And then sort of map the sort of, you know, light to dark spectrum on those. Right. Um, and then I'll go in with like a contrast layer and sort of start edging in like the, the you know, cell shading or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I feel like I color a lot like I paint when I paint like acrylic. So everything right. will get like, like its base coat. And then I'll like toss yeah. in the gradients. And then everything on top of that are these like little marks, but those are all the bright pushing the highlights in the shadows right right um, that makes sense yeah yeah I, I, yeah I, it's i'm such a cheater because nothing i ever do in color could ever work physically you know what i mean like the gradient map feature you know not, right. not like just you know throwing in like actual like actual gradients but like the gradient map that will take all of your colors and put them on a spectrum of right. you know orange to purple could never happen right like you couldn't lay down colors and then change the colors necessarily no, i mean well no this this is the edit editability of the computer is amazing and i think that's yeah. why i use it for interiors because i just don't i right. can't even imagine dealing with regular paint yeah. inside uh maybe for like a, a self-published thing i would do it but not sure, for sure. something like this um but in terms of like coloring itself that's all color theory you take whatever yeah. fancy effect you would put on it's still little points of marks 
printing next to each other. You right. know what I mean? It's all, it's all pointillism. So, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, yeah, you have like a great deal of editability, whatever program you're using. Um, but it's still the same theory that you would use to paint a painting. Right. right. So, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, are are I, you, there you go. I'm just curious as you're coloring, are you someone who will constantly like sort of turn, you know, like turn on uh, uh, desaturated color to check the value contrast to see no. like what's popping or do you just kind of go on Instagram? No, no, I just go. And I think oh. a lot of that is because I paint a ton. Like, I don't think that right. being like a painter or doing analog work makes you any more valid than anyone who does digital. But I do think there, mm-hmm. there's certain things that you just don't bother checking. Because why? Right. Why would that? I can't do that when I'm painting anything. Like, really, like I'm not. Sure. I'm not working on the covers. Like at my, um, those yeah. are actually physically painted, and I'm not. Okay, I was gonna ask about yeah. that. Yeah, you want to see them? Because the, I would love to see them, Christine. Yeah. I, the, the covers are stunning because, and I was curious about it because they are like color wise so stylistically different than the interiors, and it oh, creates yeah, well, such I, an amazing feeling of fantasy. Yeah, well, I wanted it to feel like those old school eighties. Right. Um, Oh my god. Can I get it close? This is a good camera, so you can like see. Yeah. Listeners, I need you to know that like (laughs) every cover you're seeing for orcs is on what I assume is an eleven by seventeen. Yeah, it's just about eleven by seventeen. A little bit bigger, because I have to paint all the um Oh my god. And it's all there. Like truly these are the exact covers that you're seeing in print. There's no no insane. I'm insane. I (laughs) I wild. I I'm like, once I do it. I'm not touching it because I oh did it. Oh my god! <laughs> is this upside down? Yeah, this is supposed this way. <laughs> hey, it's still going like unbelievable. How long does a cover take you? Uh, so I do take breaks. So I, if you want to, sure. I'm going to say like how long it takes in actuality. Because if I were yeah. to smash the hours Please. together, that's not fair. It's um, tough like, math. Like three or four days. Wow. Yeah. And you're sort of doing that, like you'll bounce back and forth between, like yeah, you know, like working little, on pages and. So kinda, I actually, when I do a okay. cover, I need to focus on a cover because there's a moment, wow. like when I'm painting, that I'm like, I like fucked all this up, and I hate it, and I hate everything, <laughs> and I'm just gonna throw it in the garbage. And actually, one Ugh. of the covers I repainted because the first one I handed in, I was like, this is garbage because I did it too fast. I'm like, I'm gonna do this overnight. Oh. And the second one I did do, this is the one, the repainted one. This one okay. I did do like in two days, but that's because I think I messed up on that wow. first one so bad. Oh my god, that's so cool! What yeah. what kind of paints are you using? Uh, Liquitex liquid acrylic, so okay. it's like gouache consistency, so they're very thin. Right. And I even thin them out more, and I work a lot of like thin layers over each other. I do gouache too, and I have I've been working on painting more because I know good. So this is not for works; this is just for me. I'm gonna sure, do sure. a series of these like fantasy paintings and do like a Ooh. Uh, um oh my calendar god. at the end of the year. That's really cool. Like truly, I'm when when the link goes out on Twitter, I'll, I'll uh, ping Christine to have her share some pictures of of some of the stuff she's showing off, so everyone can see. Yeah. Um, but that's like truly astonishing, and it's it's rare. I feel like that um, cartoonists are able to find a step in their process to be able to account for like doing such gorgeous illustrative work. Like it's kind of like this book is a very much like a labor of love. I feel like this yeah. is the first book I got to do all on my own. Boom didn't. I mean, I have a great editor. She's been good in like cleaning up my rough edges, but uh, sure. they didn't stop me. I'm like, I'm going to paint the covers. And she's like, okay, <laughs> just let me go. Uh, like, I was like, Man. I'm going to, I'm going to hand letter and, and, and ink and color the whole thing. And they're like, okay. <laughs> like, they, I... didn't, they didn't stop me. So I just kept <laughs> going. I kept doing 
I've been wanting to ask about the hand lettering thing. I, because I, you know, I had uh, forever ago, one of our earliest episodes uh, had Andrew McLean on the show and he was Uh, talking about how he's great. Yeah. Obviously you've, you and he have both done stuff in each other's books. He did one of the variant covers. He did the variant cover for, I think five is going to, when someone five comes out. Yeah. It's going to, it has to. I'm 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 excited for that. I, and he's yeah. one of my favorite cartoonists, and I feel like you guys definitely like you, you vibe on a lot of the same wavelengths, yeah, obviously yeah. doing, you know, fantasy and kind of comedy involved with it. Um, but he was talking about how when he first started Headlopper, he was, you know, really hard on like, I'm gonna do hand lettering, I'm gonna do it like this, the whole book's gonna be hand lettered. And then by like issue three, he was like, Never mind, I'm doing I'm lettering digital. Has there <laughs> been a point where you've had a crisis of of faith with that? No. I'm so fast at it's, it. I'm really um, yeah it's really quick I'm just like do 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 and I'm done it's the least tell me your hand lettering process what, it's what the how least do you frustrating part of my whole process really yeah I like it the best because it's the that's one unbelievable I don't have to think about <laughs> does your wrist get sore after letter I mean, like how wrist, long does it take you to letter a my wrist is sore every day of my life it's gonna rain tomorrow <laughs> my wrist is killing me um yeah. I, I that runs in my family my mom has um arthritis so i'm waiting for it i'm just waiting for it yeah um but i wear a brace it's fine and um so yeah not really because one i don't make them talk that much this last issue i think they talked the most so i i none but even then it wasn't so bad when your hand hurts is when you're holding it Uh too tight like what you need to do is just relax your hand and let the the actual tool do its job and you're fine Uh When you start to get like really bad problems is because you're gripping or you're bending your hand at a strange angle. I have a standing drawing board. It's at 45 degree angles. So I stand all day. I stand like this all day and it's fine because I'm not bending it in a weird way. Um, So in terms of pain, no. And what I do is when I do my pencils or my thumbnails, I Greek in the text in whatever BS font that I'm using. I have my aims guide already set. So I, I Greek it in its font so I know how many words are going on each line. And then I mm-hmm. put that in where it needs to be. And I'm freehanding the bubbles. It's not like I'm getting out one of the old bubble things. Right, right. So, yeah, you're um, not like measuring. Right, right. right. The <laughs> fact that I freehand a lot of this helps hide a lot. Uh, so I sure. put the aims guide in and then I just write. My handwriting is very neat. I practice it all the time because that's just my handwriting. Uh, just cleaned Got up. Got it. Yeah. Right. Which... Which stage of the process are you lettering at? Because I, I know a lot ink. of people will letter like inks. Okay, interesting. Yeah, like that's, I do. I do my lettering when I ink a page. I letter it first, and then I do all the borders, and then I ink. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I've I've seen people they'll like lay down their letters basically like after they're done with their thumbnails, like and then sort of draw their page based on that. And that to me is like always insane. That seeming. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I plan them in my thumbs definitely. Like they. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 But in, the, in terms of like doing my finals. Um, so when I do my thumbnails, yeah, I, like, scan, I scan my thumbnails and I bring them into Photoshop mm-hmm. and I put them on a template and then I, right. I line out the borders and type out where the lettering is going to be. And that's what I print mm-hmm. on board to pencil on top of. Got it. Yeah. And is that, that Photoshop template, is that something you made yourself or did you like find that on online somewhere? Cause I've seen a bunch of templates floating around, but I also no, feel I like get, everyone kind of has a different I just get whatever the print one. template is from, so I usually do my thumbnails to scale right. and I get whatever the print template uh-huh. is from my publisher. Cause they're all right. basically the American standard comic, but everyone has like, you know, a 16th of an inch difference and I just try to stick to it. Right. Um, Got it. And the margins are different. You know what I mean? So it's easy. I just try to not, I try not to rock the boat too much. Um, Sure. 
so I, I put my thumbnails into the template and then I, uh, I will put up the, uh, in Photoshop, I'll put up the, um, the grid and then I'll okay. draw the borders, right. With just a regular, you know, selection tool. And, um, uh-huh. and I'll typeset all the lettering where it needs to be. And then I'll, make that all yellow and print that out on board and I'll pencil on the board or I'll print that out and pencil my pencils and then take that and print that on board. Interesting. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Do you, you talked about lettering being like the easiest, most relaxing part of your process. What is the process that you find yourself um, fighting the most or like struggling or just, you know, writing? Yeah. Yeah. Layout. (laughs) Layout's the most thinking because you're putting the puzzle together. So like writing, because I write, I write in thumbs. I don't physically write out a page. I draw it okay. and then like write my um, write my lettering on the side uh, Interesting. of that page. Yeah. You want to see that too? That's right here. Yeah, absolutely. Want- yeah. Someone hey. else wanted to see that. So yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, this is orcs. This is all of orcs is in this book. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like all of this, it's all, you can find this on my Let's Instagram. See. I have this all. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure, uh, that's so nuts. Yeah. Uh, when, when this episode <laughs> goes up, I feel like I'm going to tweet out like a, a whole list of like reference material, yeah, uh, I mean, uh for the my, episode. Yeah. My painting process stuff. Cause I will always post mm-hmm. that. And my, uh, a couple flip throughs of that book are all on my Instagram. Like that's when I do all that stuff. Amazing. Um, yeah. My People, patron, the, you my know, skin, yeah. Take, take everyone who's listening. You got to take that as a, as a sign. You got to go follow Christine on, on Instagram <laughs> and on uh, Patreon. See some real awesome BTS stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so I, 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 am someone who, when I'm drawing, I love having music or podcasts or audiobooks or something mm-hmm. on. And when I'm writing, I love having like instrumental music on when I'm doing thumbnails, I feel like I have to not listen to anything. I have to be in a room entirely by myself. Nothing can be happening. Like my brain is like so frazzled. <laughs> are, like, are you the same way or what? Like, do you put anything on? What kind of rituals do you have when you're, when you're working? Uh, it depends on my mood. Cause sometimes I'll do, okay. I'll do a whole day and I'll realize I didn't listen to anything all day. And I'm just wow. like, just, I don't know, talking through my head. I don't know. And sure. then sometimes I, I need to put something on, like I'm coloring right now and coloring is such a, I can shut down my brain so much when I color that like I've been watching, I've been going through the old Columbos. Have you seen that? Like on prime, like <laughs> yeah. all the old Columbos are playing. So I watched those I as was a kid. So stoked when I saw yeah. I was, I watched those as a kid with my mom, all the reruns in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And I was like excited to see those. I was like, Oh mom. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been watching those, but it's, um, it's just, I like, if I'm going to put something on, it's either going to be something super repetitive. And if I need to like, uh-huh. especially if I need to pull a late night, it has to be just like chill. But if I really want to get into something, it's like whatever crazy deathcore music I can think of. (laughs) I feel like I, there were like issues I inked listening to like just Necrogoblicon the whole time. And it was just like, "Ah," like I was just like there (laughs) in that place, but it's all where my head's at. Cause there's definitely been times I haven't listened to anything like the whole time. Yeah. Sure. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so one thing I, I find interesting and, and, you know, we talked a little bit before the show, but I, I love when uh, people I have on the show are also teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when you're teaching, tell, tell me first a bit, just like what what types of classes are you teaching? I'm teaching a comic class um, right oh. now, which I mean, oh. I hate teaching online, to be honest. I feel sure. like we just yeah. kind of like I feel like I give them their assignments. We go over the assignment. Like a lot of my strength in teaching is being there in a classroom and having a rapport with my students. And that's hard to right. have over Zoom. Um, yeah. So I'm 
So this semester has bummed me out. I'll be excited to go back into like in-person teaching. Um, but in terms of like, yeah, I taught, I teach comics. I used to teach a class called sequential format, which was like a a bunch of different, like just sequential illustrations. So like we would do like a children's book thing and then an editorial thing and then a comic assignment. And the last thing was like a interactive, whatever. And then, uh, I taught like freshman illustration for a while, but that class got yoinked for me too. So, uh, so I just teach the one class, which is fine right now. I feel like I'm busy enough right now. Just one class is enough for my, a lot going on. Yeah. Well, it's like the book and the class and the kid and, you know, between those three things. (laughs) And I like to see my family. Like I, (laughs) yeah, family I like to see. I know you're doing a hell of a lot of work and, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like it's, I'm sure like just trying to balance that out has got to be so hard. Uh, what what types of things do you find that these students who are taking this class from you, what types of things are you finding are most consistent that they need to to learn in order to like really Planning sort of get there? Their dialogue. <laughs> Just <laughs> play. But I can't yell too you're, much. You're talking like my, compositionally. Yeah, compositionally planning dialogue. I would say across right. the board, it's something none of them do. Um, I mean, planning generally, I feel like is is a thing that younger kids <laughs> could use more of, but. Right. I was always the same way. Like, and I was even really crappy when with my dialogue when I first started making comics too. So I understand. Like, mm-hmm. you're like word bubbles. I want to draw this awesome thing, and it's like, yeah, but they got to <laughs> say stuff, and it's like, oh right. no. So that would I say would be the biggest hurdle for like younger comic artists. That and like finding the right type for their comp, like right. to typeset. Like, I feel right. like I have we have more type conversations then like i'm glad i did some graphic design in my day because like they like i don't because i hand litter everything and i i don't have to hunt for types i uh sure. i in my own work i uh i am glad i kind of kept my ear to the ground in turn terms of like different fonts and typesetting and and things of that nature because okay this <laughs> <laughs> there are some choices made that I do not understand. Like I would prefer Comic Sans to some of the choices I see being made for their comic. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even necessarily this class specifically I'm teaching. I don't want like my students to tune in and be like, "Oh no, it's me." It's not. I'm saying like no, across no, no. Yeah. the board, just in general. The past like 15 years I've been teaching right. that. <laughs> yeah, that has been the problem for sure. What do you have any like personal? I know like a lot of people, there are like people, and maybe it's like a newer generation or something, but I, I know a lot of people can't stand like all caps comics lettering. I know other people like can't stand, um, like th- there's just certain font things that I feel like v- people are very particular about. Is there, is there anything that you find very, no, I think whatever works because I have, I've done hand lettering where I've done, um, uppercase, lowercase, and I've done hand lettering, right. like obviously orcs is all uppercase. Uh, yeah. I think when you're doing hand lettering, really well. you know, I feel like when you're doing hand lettering, sometimes, especially if there's a lot of lettering to do, upper uh, all caps is nice because of the legibility of it. Whereas right, sometimes right. lowercase can be a little dicey, and especially in a comic that's supposed to be all ages, is supposed to be like yeah. a 12 year old can read it or a 30 year old could read it. You want to yeah. you want to work for your lowest common denominator and make sure that it's legible to the person who might not be able to right. guess at a letter. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, like make it most accessible for sort of, yeah, like the youngest audience. That but that's saying, that's not, that's not that it can't work. It was just a yeah. choice I decided to make for my own book. 
um, to make I it. I think a- it generally works. I also feel like orcs are an all caps species. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like definitely like more exclamation <laughs> points. Really, I feel like I'm lacking yeah. in the exclamation yeah. points for that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I always, anytime I'm typing orcs, uh, mm-hmm. like to to refer to your book, I always type it all caps with an exclamation point. And I know that like the exclamation point isn't necessarily in the title, but I really like having it, is. it there. The exclamation it is, point okay. is in fact in the title. <laughs> It just, it fits so, it's nice. It's, it looks nice whenever I, I type it out. Right. Um, tell me about some of the places you go, like if you're in, and maybe you don't get this way, but but I, you know, if you're in a creative funk and like things just aren't quite coming out right, is there anything that you'll go to like just for inspiration to sort of try and like, you know, get yourself out of a rut or like whatever? I mean, prior to COVID, I go for walks a lot. Um, I mean, lately, I feel like all of my habits have changed during COVID, mm. one. Um, and I quit right. smoking, so that's also huge. Wow! Um, Congrats. That's that's yeah, a hell of a thing I can to do kick it now, lockdown. I can uh, I could do it any time, right? So yeah. uh, so I like I try to go for walks. Bike rides are nice. Like just get out of the house a little bit. It's been tough over yeah. the winter. Um, I picked right. up crocheting again after years, and that's just like a very meditative because it's repetitive, right? You're just doing yeah. the same thing over and over. You're not really thinking about it too much. Totally. Um, and yeah, I mean, when before COVID, I, I mean, I hadn't really done a lot of drinking at the bar. Like in my 20s, I'd be uh-huh. like, I'd go to a bottle of scotch, but I don't <laughs> really drink that much anymore because I have a child and yeah. they get mad at you if you kill them. So I try to, um, try to um try to keep my entertainment <laughs> PG nowadays. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've, I'm tame now. It's so strange. When sure. I was, I was such a wild kid in my twenties, and like you, you see, you seem like someone who was like definitely down to like uh, get out and get rowdy. Yeah, that was my thing, and um, you know, work hard, play. I had like you know two jobs all the time and moonlighting sure. and all that stuff. So yeah. you know, we work hard, play hard. We all, we all do that or did that. Um, but yeah, totally. I don't know, cup of tea, I, crochet a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm when I'm in a, honestly when I'm in a funk, I gotta just work through it because I go through creative funks a ton, and right. they're horrible and sometimes debilitating. And I'll try to like nap through some stuff, and I'll try to like sit and just work through some stuff. But sometimes it's just gotta go. It's just gotta pass yeah. on its own time, and right. it's like a kidney stone. Like it's just gotta do. <laughs> there's no magic fix. It's just gotta pass in its own time, and it'll click for you. <laughs> like one day, like I'll just be worried, like doodling my sketchbook, and I'll be like, "Oh, I can draw again." And it's, right. it's a strange feeling. So I guess it's mostly I just try to like keep busy in the sketchbook even if it's like hard to do work i try to get like a page done even if i do like two or three pages the same right. um you know i hate redoing stuff but i'll redo it if it's that bad <laughs> sure I'm, pr- I'm a proud creature you're perfectionist <laughs> yeah i'm i'm proud that's um less perfectionist and more proud if i look at it and i'm like that's garbage i can't put it out in the world so yeah. sure i i am also that way <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many uh, half finished pages that I've tossed out that are, um, yeah, just like, oh, no, no one's going to see this. Which is, you know, it's it's a curse and I'm trying to get myself out of it. Honestly, yeah. I'm trying to be more comfortable with bad work. Um, but what, one thing, you know, that, that I really relate to is you, you've um, talked about in other interviews before that you that you, you know, worked uh, uh, multiple jobs to pay your way through school, uh, you know, which is something I always also did. And I found it very difficult to try and balance working those jobs with trying to, you know, figure out like the classes that, you know, like the, the specific classes that were focused on, like what, what my major was right. you know, to sort of like 
fit that in and then also balancing those things with like the things that were fueling you creatively outside of school and work like what what was that experience like for you I mean I don't know I I didn't really go into school with a really good plan for what I wanted to be when I grew up. I wanted to go into illustration. And I think the longer I was in school, the more I realized that illustration that I, what I thought it was, wasn't what it was. You got to remember, I went to school from 2000 to 2004. That's when I was in college. Uh, When I get out in 2004, comics were not an option. That's not an option for someone who doesn't have money sitting in the bank. That's a hobby. Uh, And that's, I don't mean that to be, shitty to people like that but that's what it was at the time you were either doing superhero books which i'm I'm sure it was like a reality like people could make some some cash doing that or if you were doing indie books you weren't making no money at all you know Uh, right the alt comic community was like you know i hope make i make you know 50 bucks there wasn't any twitter there wasn't any facebook there wasn't any like there was deviant art like whatever that is you know what i mean but there was no way There weren't any like online shops. You had to know how to code. You know how to you had to know how to code. How to make your own web comic. You had to be on time to make your own web comic. Yeah. You had to come out regularly. Um, and then like yeah. one for web comic artists, once all that like ad blocking software came out, that like bottomed out everyone's income. So I'm glad I wasn't relying on that. Like yeah. I know a lot of people who were doing web comics that like that killed them. Um, yeah. Uh, so so the 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 climate when I got out of school was kind of like. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm glad I paid part of this off while I was still in there because now I have to get multiple jobs. The good thing I will say is when I got out of school, I was able to do art adjacent work. Like I I was doing um, I was customer service for a little while uh, and then I, I had a few odd jobs. But my main job when I got out uh, like within a year or two, I was an art director at mm. a uh, oh, wow. screen printing company. But by uh-huh. art director, it means me. I was the art department of the screen printing right. company. It was like me right. and then like all the guys doing the screen printing and they they would do like custom bags and shirts in the, in, in the, the company. So it was like the all, cool. all over bag printing. So I would do like the ads for them and yeah. all of the screen printing artwork. And then, but in my free time, I was able to use that space as a studio space for myself. Mm-hmm. That was like, I got paid like crap. But I, I had the sure. keys. I could use the all the copy machines there. I could use, you know, I got screen printing done at cost. Like, it was actually right. kind of sweet. And I had that job for like a couple years. And then I mm-hmm. loved, they sold that company, which kind of screwed me because I wasn't going to, I can't like move. Um, right, and then right. I was unemployed for a while and got a job at a uh, a sign company, which okay. taught me a whole new set of skills and let me use my geometry classes in a way I never thought I would. Uh, <laughs> and, sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, but it's all like work that was like, oh, you're doing art, but you're also, your brain is very active the whole time. I learned a lot right. in terms of process and how to do mm-hmm. things efficiently um, in those jobs. Nothing related right. to comics, but it taught you how to work with what you had in an efficient and quick way on a very short schedule. And there were things I learned in that capacity that I've been able to bring over to my freelance work for sure. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just like all those skills cumulatively, like building up to sort of create a cartoonist. Yeah, exactly. And it, I think it's like, <laughs> and I'm also was like working on my own stuff at the time too, like trying to figure out what my right. voice was. Like I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I was 20 and like, I, I knew I like going out, getting wasted and like, fights but aside from that like what do i really want to do or say or like 
Right. How does, you know, I know how the world affects me, but I like, how do I want to, how do I want to express that in a way that right. in my creative work that goes beyond just like genre hopping. Like I was, I just, I didn't know yet. I was still yeah. trying to figure out me to a very large extent. And it's hard to <laughs> express what you think when you're still trying to figure out yourself. Right. That, yeah, that makes a hundred percent total sense. <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where I remember particularly when I was in college, I was so frustrated by sitting there like, I don't know how, like, I know the things that I care about and I know like what drives me, but I don't know how to make any of this into a story. Like what right. the, you know, like I, you know, and I was so pissed off about it. Right. It's like, how do I make and, this into a piece when yeah. like all, it's just going to feel like some kind of weird, like amalgam of just image. You know what I mean? Like I didn't, I feel like I yeah. didn't have the one, the skill set for it to come across the way I wanted to, but also just the, um, the the language i didn't know what language i wanted to speak into the world in. right so once well, so much of it is like to me it's almost like akin to 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 you know cooking something where it's like yeah you can put all the ingredients together the way that you're supposed to but if you don't put that thing in the goddamn oven and like let it sit there for a while it's not going to be good you know yeah. like and i feel you know i feel like some people like i definitely have taught a lot of really brilliant kids that kind of know what they want to say out of the gate and i'm like right. good for you yeah. guys because i was confused all the time <laughs> yeah i okay <laughs> i don't know if you have this but i get so and it's and it's a thing i'm like really trying to like work through or whatever but when someone is like way younger than me and has like a distinctive voice and like puts out like a, a beautiful graphic novel that's like very personal and like incredible i get so mad <laughs> like what are you doing 22 years old and you're able to like put out a 200 page thing about like your, your personal fears and anxieties you I know mean, like yeah i don't know it's it's i mean i think i'm very like good for them there's also stuff right. that i'm not comfortable yeah. putting into a graphic novel that stuff right, like right. like i just won't write about like i think that right you know it sucks that you know i have an agent now and i'm like well i want to do like more adult themed stuff and she's like well if you have any memoir stuff and the thing is like i've been through like some shit but i don't sure. want to put that out into the world like i respect people right. that feel comfortable with that but personally like talking about my personal life in that way is not comfortable for me uh especially right. like, like to have a separation well especially like and... putting it into book form in like a uh you know, taking it and making a memoir out of it. It feels like right. a lot. It just feels like a lot. Right. And I think that there's like a bravery there and just like laying yourself bare for people to, to judge in that way. Um, sure. That I just never felt comfortable doing. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Since I like, I'm always, I think I'm always like very impressed. Maybe not jealous, maybe a little. Uh, I'm always <laughs> very impressed with um, kids who seem that they have a visual voice together. Right. At a young age. Cause I just, right. I, I like, I liked too many things. I didn't know how to distill them into a single, into the form I wanted to distill them into. I'm with you there. What, what do you, what do you think sort of helped get you to that point? Right. Like if you were struggling for that for, for quite a while, what do you think helped you get to the point where you could distill all those influences into what became your style? I didn't stop. Like I figured okay. like yeah. I, I, it's, it's, I figured I'd get there eventually if I just kept working it out i love to draw so i just love to draw at the end of the day and if that's still what's keeping you going then eventually you're gonna get better at it it's just a matter of time totally (laughs) i know i'm so thankful like for you know and i and i and i'm not ever saying this to like you know shit on myself or whatever but like i'm so thankful that for 
how unskilled of an artist I am that I love drawing so much because I know that eventually I have to be able to like put out something well, that's fairly yeah, decent. You know? Exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't get worse at something if you do it every day. Right. Totally. Um, a yeah. buddy of mine says it a ton, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I just like to draw and I, and I, and I like, it was such a, a form of escapism for me when I was younger. I had a very like unhappy, like not in my home, like my family is amazing, but I had a very unhappy mm. like time through high school. It was very hard for right. me sure. uh, that entire time and um i feel like that's what that i'm alive because of it today mm-hmm. and yeah. um even i think my 20s as crazy as i got i think that grounded me in a way that didn't right. let me didn't let me drink too much or smoke too much there you go you know yeah. what i mean like it's like no i, I still need to do this so it's a I'm tough battle I, to win yeah i'm glad i i'm glad i have it um and yeah, and then I hit my 30s and I kind of like, I started to figure some stuff out in my 30s, right? right? And then, you know, then my dude, my kid came around and we're... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious, and you, you know, you talk about like that separation between sort of like those direct personal sort of memoirish stories and, and the work that you do. But I am curious in what ways that you feel those personal experiences and struggles and, and whatever feed into these fantastical, especially into something like orcs, obviously, which is, you know, aimed at a younger audience. Do you feel like those experiences, you know, feed into and inform the thematics that you try and, and write about and, and sort of the stories you try to tell with orcs? I think they're in the characters, like little bits and pieces of them. Not all of them. I, 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 I said to, I was who I was, thinking, I was talking to, like the, the orcs are not necessarily based off of people I know. They're just all different aspects of my personality. Um, right. I don't right. want to be that personal with it, but to an extent it's true. Like they are as individual as they are as characters and they are i did try to make them as individual characters as i could there's aspects of me and i think even the parts i don't like about myself in those characters right um sure well those are some of the most important things storytelling wise i feel like is to incorporate the things that you aren't necessarily as comfortable um, with about yourself or like the things that you hate yeah so and so i think that you know I never wrote this story to be for children. I wrote this story so mm-hmm. it would be accessible to all ages. You know, what I mean? like there's right. no swearing. There's no like right. s- like nudity or um, sure. uh, sexual situations, right? Like if you were to rate right. this, uh, it's Goonies, right? I'm writing at, right. at there you go. No, nothing's worse than Goonies um, and, in terms of like what's in this book. So, right. you know, 80s, 80s kids movies. I hate to say like yeah, modern because yeah, yeah. I feel like they judge them harder now. But like I would say nothing's sure. worse yeah, than like, like that Monster Squad and Goonie, yeah, like except yeah, with yeah. a little bit less like, you know, dated language or whatever. Um, right, right. Exactly. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. None of that stuff in there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely like a like in terms of like as bad as it gets rating wise, right. it would be around there. Um, totally. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So like it's. It's on the Kaboon label. So I'm honestly always still surprised that they picked this up because when I pitched it, um, they were just like, oh, pitch something. And I was like, okay. So I pitched them the zines and I, you know, I did a write up for it. I'm not like totally unprofessional. I know what I'm doing. Totally. So I did like a write up for it. I did have the zines behind it. So to write this up is hard. People are like, well, give me the the elevator pitch. And there isn't one because this is a story about like at least a dozen characters over the course of like three graphic novels and these first six issues are just the first graphic novel and it spans generations so like it's it's a big story so to give it the the elevator pitch is just you're gonna follow these guys on their adventure and something very it starts very small 
and it becomes extremely large. Um, and right. I think that those are my favorite kinds of stories that you think that, oh, it's just going to be this silly, fun thing. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> I did mm-hmm. not see any of that coming. And that's my favorite yep. kind of build in a story is that it gets larger as you move yeah. along. It doesn't start yeah. completely epic. But I wanted the characters to feel very accessible to people. Totally. Like very, yeah. not necessarily blue collar, but not so like high and fancy and you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, An orc you could get a beer with. Yeah. um no that makes total sense and i i am curious you know it sounds like from from what i've heard in in some of the interviews and and things that you've said about the book it sounds like it went from like that there was kind of an evolution in the format of the book that it kind of switched from like sort of graphic novel to more serialized to sort of like serialized aiming at a graphic like what yeah uh, tell me about how that format evolved i pitched it serial and then mm-hmm. they're like, well, it wasn't doing – because I signed this contract like two years ago. So sure. I pitched it Serial. And then it, um, they're like, well, Serial books aren't doing so well for us right now. Let's do gra- a graphic novel. So let's do a series because I couldn't right. I couldn't fit this what I pitched into a single graphic novel. It would like forever long. Um, right. So they're like, okay, well, let's do three of them. And I was like, that's perfect. That's actually good. So it's like 600 pages about worth of material. I can do this in 600 pages. Um, and then when COVID started, cause this was supposed to come out, um, they're like, well, do you want to do, uh, serialize the book? And I thought, well, that's like, cause especially cause it's like a, a they're thicker every month. Right. I'm like, well, that's yeah. great. One headlopper comes out like that. And I think that that's like yeah, a, such yeah. a great, um, what Andrew did is such a beautiful template for how books probably should be done. Um, in terms yeah. of just the stress on the artist and also the end product. Uh, yeah, and, a quarterly comic that's really thick mm-hmm. and then collected in a graphic novel. And a graphic novel, yeah, novel yeah, yeah. at the end of it, right. So, right. you know, if you really love it, you can keep up with it. Or if you want to just hit it in the trade, you can just get the trade. Um, right. So smart. Uh, so then I'm like, okay, cool. Let's let's do that. Like I already had a lot of the stuff blocked out. So let's just break down the graphic novel into installments, um, right. which was not that hard to do because when I transferred it from serial to graphic novel i handle it in my head like chapters so it felt so it was chaptered out um so um so then so yeah it's serial but i feel like but it's serial in the way that like any netflix tv show is serial you know what i mean like i feel like we're so aren't we accustomed to these stories by now that just continue uh i would have probably if i had known it was coming out like this i probably would have liked to self-contain everything but because it I didn't and I wrote it the way that I wrote it I think it still translates okay you just have to kind of understand what kind of story it is also like when I was a kid I used when I used to have to wait for those kabuki books I would read that kabuki book two dozen times before that next one came out like I had it committed to memory before the next month was out and that next book was out because like especially the way like and I tried to do my pages detailed so that people would have want to go back to those books. Um, yeah. Want to go back and like watch this, but it, like, like so that you would want to look at it over and over again. Yeah. Right. I, totally. I didn't want yeah. them to feel completely disposable. Like I want you to be able to like look at all the characters in the backgrounds and kind of like look through the backgrounds and find the Easter eggs and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Nope. And that, that makes total sense. And it, and it is a very, that's one thing. Cause I, I reread them today. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went and was doing my vaccination earlier today, which involves a lot of waiting in line. Right. Yes. And so then I was like, well, perfect. I can reread some comics, <laughs> right. you know, like, 
and I found that that these are very, very, you know, and, and two issues of works are, are out as mm-hmm. we're recording this. And, and both of these issues I found were very, very rereadable because like you're saying, there is so much rich detail and so many things that you might not have noticed the first time that you read or like didn't notice because you hadn't read the second issue yet. And then after right. reading the second issue, you go back and you read the first and you're like, right. oh, OK, like I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you sort of pick up on that are that are laid down. Um, and I love that kind of richness of experience because, yeah, like you're saying, it's, you know, like, for instance, if we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, a TV show, right? Like if, you know, people love like the Disney Plus Marvel right. or Star Wars shows or whatever, right? From week to week, like there is an ability to like rewatch and kind of like, you know, right. digest those. And there are the super hardcore fans that will. But like in comics, when you're going month to month, there's so much time to be able to like revisit right. the material, you know, and like and enjoy it. And I, I do love this for that. And, fact, even- and just be. Yeah. Yeah, and even like I would hope that like there's so many books like I buy them so I can read them again. They don't have right. to stay to look nice on your shelf. Anyway, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. It, it, that's exactly. I'm. I'm right there with you. I mean, I. One thing that I I experience a lot is that there are certain comics that make me want to make comics, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are a lot of books that I visit and I will revisit just because, like, I want to I want to juice up that feeling of like yeah. I got to draw, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to be honest, and I'm not I'm not even saying this with like any exaggeration <laughs> or whatever, but like. <laughs> Orcs is legitimately one of those books. Oh, I was standing there in line, say. like reading this book and going, I wish I could draw right. Like I wish I was in a <laughs> place where I could draw if I had a sketchbook or anything. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's so, and I think what it is, is, is liveliness of character. Um, that when you can see someone communicate the liveliness in, in the story and then, and in these characters on the page, when you can see that they can create these lines that make you feel these emotions or like empathize with them, that it really gets you in that mood. And you're like, man, I want to, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to communicate so, you know, effectively. Um, And I am actually curious while we're talking about that, you know, so that, so that I can turn just a sort of baseless uh, compliment into an actual question, like, you know, an interviewer would do. (laughs) Uh, uh, How do you, what do you do to accomplish that? How are you thinking in terms of like, you know, emotionality and conveying these things with these characters? Are you using reference or like looking at your face in a mirror or anything? Or like, where are you pulling from? Um, so I, I honestly run a lot of scenes like through my head. Like I, okay. a lot of this, like I give myself like anyone, when you're writing something very long, you give yourself like benchmarks, right. And you're trying to right. hit all those benchmarks. But when we're talking mm-hmm. about scenes, there are like a lot of scenes that were like very realized. Cause I basically played them in my head, like a movie, like, dozens right. of times we did many takes uh especially sure. with the dialogue because i wanted the dialogue to be as uh succinct as i could because i, I right. don't like to belabor long you know uh, ex- long you know diatribes and stuff like that the yeah. characters just going on forever you um, get to the point you know there's a, there's like a couple of like you know great big thick paragraphs but not like a sure. ton yeah. of big most of it is very terse um right and but in doing that, like you run something through your head a bunch of times, like what do I need in this conversation? What don't I need in this conversation to get this conversation to do what I need it to do? Um, right. But in terms of like them actually acting, I think just a lot of that just comes from me visualizing them in my head. Sometimes I'll look at myself in the mirror, but because their sure. expressions are so exaggerated, I can kind of like kind of go with what I know. Some of it just comes from the years of experience. I've been drawing. Sure, sure. I've been cartooning now for like mm-hmm. 15 years i mean really if you yeah. want to say since i was a kid you know since my whole life but in terms <laughs> sure. of like professionally well i'm gonna say 15 years like that's when i did i right. think my first comic book um right. and i actually do remember like some of my early work when i was posting like deviant art when that was like a community uh 
I remember uh, mm-hmm. one of my friends on there saying, like, it's drawn so nice, but they seem so expressionless. Like, I used to have very, like, very expressionless oh, characters. Wow. Um, and I'm like, Sorry. that was a thing I, like, sat down and worked on to make sure that stuff yeah. felt, stuff moved as much as I wanted it to move. Right. Like, it's conveying what I wanted to convey. That said, I right. do like an intense stare every now and again. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's useful. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you use much reference in general in your process, or do you feel like you're kind of at this point sort of just pulling from inside your head? No, no, no. I so I use reference, but I don't use it in a very direct way. I so right. like I'm doing the dwarf market right now, right? So right. for them, I have like a bunch of pages. Just I'm not going through. It's just a mess over there. It's yeah, just yeah, but they're yeah. like stacked up, like stuff printed out of different like. Uh, like underground markets or indoor markets or just how, sure. like, how does that look? How is that laid out? How is the drapery? Cause I wanted to do a lot of drapery in here so I could block stuff in a way that wasn't too like, no, I'm not trying everything. There's some drapery over on the side to like yeah. save, oh, yeah. save, me, yeah. save my ass some time. Um, but yeah. like how, like how is that blocked? Like, especially like there's some of these great markets like in Egypt, but like in these giant like stone buildings and there's mar- there's right. like carpets all over the floor i'm like that's so smart of course there's carpets all over the floor because it's a stone and that would just like eat through your feet like just it would freeze up the whole room so to underground sure, yeah. yeah they're all underground i'm like so i'm just trying to like that's cool so i'm pulling stuff in a way that i want the world to feel like, like thick and rich and full um yeah and you know they're underground i had to figure out some lighting i just did string lighting it feels like it felt like a, a it felt cheap to me but at the same time I'm like oh but oh. it looks so cool when you drape yeah. it <laughs> that's great yeah. i love that so you know i love that so much <laughs> uh one thing i find and and this this happens to me a lot when i create a character i'll, I'll put some sort of design choice into a character that after drawing them a few times i start to really regret mm-hmm and uh uh you know every time i have to draw it i'm just sort of cursing myself for like why did i make this person's nose look this way like it's it's so complicated from these angles is there anything in orcs that you feel like that you just anytime you have to draw it you kind of hate yourself for committing to that design or something i mean i don't know i've drawn these guys so many times now um (laughs) the wardens who don't show up till issue five and really they're just a peak Mm -hmm. of them for like future issues there is like right. a lot of there. I put patterns on their on their clothes. It's just a strip. Oh, it's man. not like a full pattern, but it's just like uh-huh. a strip of a very like geometric pattern. And I do like right. it. And I don't necessarily regret it, but I can see it being an issue when I have to draw all five of them over and over again. Sure. That's going to piss my that ass off. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes I'm just bummed. right in like a wardrobe change. They're like, oh, actually, let's change our clothes before we go to this fight real quick. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, like, I mean. I, I feel like I designed everything in a way that's very manageable. The thing like that really right. gets me, got me the biggest. And I remember I was watching a lot of like old school fantasy movies just so I could figure it out was like, like one, you notice like none of the orcs have like bows and arrows, like the elves yeah. do and the wardens do, but like no, my main characters don't. Cause that is a nightmare. Like how that all works out on your back. Like just how it's piled right. there. Like to all draw the, like, that little... is, yeah, it's yeah. just, I'm like, so no one's getting those. I'm sorry guys. You gotta, <laughs> I think, I think uh, Zep ended up with like, you know, the little, my little ninja guy, he ended up with like throwing knives, like after they go oh, and get, sure, like, sure. get like some new weapons. I'm like, throwing knives are fine. Yeah. You stick those on your belt. I'm not, not burdening anyone, but you've got to think of like, they can't Looney Tunes <laughs> that out of there. Like they have to figure out where they're carrying their weapons and stuff like that. So yeah, I think about that. That's, 
but it's it so does. Funny. But it's not like. But it has to happen. Like it's. I'm not doing a a goof comic. It's it's comedy, but I'm not aiming it to be. Sit, like right. it's not a Looney Tunes, I and mean, I don't want it to yeah. do that. Yeah, it's it's funny, it's goofy. Like there's there's stuff that will always make you smile and make you laugh, but you you want to like keep some semblance of like rules or right. like you there's know physics truth. applies to this world. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Is is there a certain character that you find the most fun to draw? Oh, um, well, I really like drawing Zep because he has the mask, right? So like sure. in later books, he gets the mask. He gets a black mask. So that's right. fun because it's just a shape and it looks like a little Pac-Man. So I, I enjoy doing that sometimes. Amazing. Um, I like the wise woman. I think she's my favorite character overall. Uh, okay. Because it's just, I like old ladies. <laughs> I just like uh-huh. old lady characters. So <laughs> I really like drawing her. And I like drawing the chief because uh, he's, sure, so okay. he's just got... Uh, so much going on. He's got like the first stole and the, like the little pointy hat, and I like right. yeah, the king of them, Krogrigar. <laughs> I made it purposely hey. so it's impossible to say. It's supposed to sound like you're clearing your throat, and I did that. Okay, because yeah. I've been like truly, I've been like trying to just math it out in my head it's, and figure out like it's what really, I it's, it's like it's like Krogra, but like say it like okay. you're Scottish, right? So it's like back, it's like back of the throat, but it's supposed to be right. that way. It's supposed to be ridiculous. <laughs> They're orcs. I love that. Yeah, truly, it's it's one of my favorite things. Like, uh, yeah. uh, naming was fun. Fantasy names are always just one of the most fun. Um, yeah. One of the things that I have the most fun on. Um, okay, so so you know, as we wrap up here, I'm going to ask you a few, just sort of you know, like um, yeah, cool down questions. <laughs> yeah, some cool down questions. Uh, but before I do that, just reminder to everyone out there: uh, Orcs is coming out right now from Kaboom Boom Studios. Uh, issue number one and two are out, and then the day after this episode goes up, I believe anyway. Uh, the twenty first. Yeah, the twenty first. I think yep. they have it up. Yeah. Is, so this is, episode will be up on the twentieth. On the 21st is when issue number three goes out. So make sure you go into your comic shops uh, uh, and grab that issue and, and let them know you want to, you know, that you want four and five. Have them yeah. set those aside for yeah. you while you're at it. Yeah, I think I believe Andrew's um, it's like the there's Sweeney Boo. She does the the variant. Yeah. right? And then like but then there's the, the third cover, the uh, what is it? The point of sale or something. It's called something something like that. Weird. Yeah. But Andrew's doing that for either five or six. I, I don't know when, when Boom has. Looks that like schedule. number five. Yeah. OK, I'm cool. So, yeah, Andrew's is, is on number five. So at least get number five. Five is my chattiest issue. That's the one they talk mm-hmm. the most. So there you go. Deal with OK. It. Yeah. I, I and look, I mean, truly, if we're talking variant covers, I mean, Sweeney is one of my favorite artists out there right now too. Oh, yeah, her stuff has been I great. loved her, her yeah, cover, yeah. and yeah, like these, the, you've you've got a killer lineup for all your uh, yeah. variants on this yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so as we wrap up, uh, you know, I I always love sharing with with listeners sort of like books that I've found really helpful in the process of either you know learning to draw or learning to write or like color theory or whatever, are there any particular books that you find yourself referring back to a lot or, or, you know, referring people to, um, um, in terms of education? I mean, so I send my kids a lot still to Scott McCloud's understanding comics. I feel like it's been out for so long now and a lot of people kind of poo poo it, but it is a a good book on theory. I always say that like, um, you know, comics aren't, 
there's no hard rules in comics. I feel like the medium is even still being written, but there is yeah. enough theory on it that you want to be able to produce something that people will expect, right? It's, yeah, it's, and that communicates. Right, exactly. That communicates in a, in a straightforward way. So I, yeah. I still think like understanding comics is a great book on theory that yeah. that handles it for the most part. I mean, it's been a while since I read through it. Maybe it's hidden in there, but for the most part, it handles <laughs> it with no bias. Right. It's just right. this is this and that is that it's very accessible and that it's written like a comic. And it's just like, this is what this yep. does. And this is what that does. And this is how it makes you feel and blah, 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 blah. Um, right. So that's a really great book overall, I think. Um, in terms of like books I go back to for writing, writing is tough because I feel like I've I've pulled all of my info on writing from like a bunch of different sources. But sure. like, books I read all the time. Um I read Bone. I read Bone recently because that came out in yeah. uh, issues. And that's like that big. It starts small, becomes this giant epic fantasy. Yeah. Um, so I reread Bone. I love, I, know, a, I love a Trojan horse story, you know, yeah. like you're talking about with Orc. Yeah. And for me, I love writing stuff that seems like utter trash at first, but then yeah. has something behind it. Like, yeah. that's that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love like, like, like Bone's a great book for that. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to like... It's tough when it's over someone puts you on the spot. I'm gonna think of like a dozen I, that I that I, I understand. I really wanna sell people on. But um I don't know, I think I just pull a little bit from everything. It's hard sure. for me to like I, I feel bad like zeroing in on one book when so much has gone into I know you feel like you're like ab- abandoning other works or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And which I think feels feels terrible. But I mean for my students, I usually suggest understanding comics. And then there's another book out from first second um i'm actually staring at it now called drawing words and writing pictures which i think that in terms of like i suggest that to my students because it's a nice little um it's almost like a little course in comics sure i don't know that it's like i think if you're just coming in like if you're an established pro it's you're probably beyond it but like if you're like coming in and you want something to sort of give you a good overview of what the medium is i think that's a nice little book to do that definitely totally yeah yeah um, when you're drawing the figure, what, what is the thing that you tend to start with? Do you start, are you someone who starts with the head or like starts with the torso or whatever, or do you go like line of action first and try to figure do, out from I there? Do like... a big, I do a big shape. I usually do a lot of gesture drawings for if right. I'm doing a, like, if I'm doing a, a scene, that's like a lot of, um, if it's a crowd scene, I'll draw a bunch of heads and then sure. draw their bodies interact. If it's just right. a single person, I'll just do a quick like line of action gesture drawing. It depends on what I'm drawing. Like if it's sure. some if people are fighting, then I need to do line of action. And if it's like someone just like standing there, I'll do a big shape and fit them into a shape. So it depends that on makes what sense. I'm doing. Yeah. Do you think a lot about like um, straights against curves and some of the sort of like principal stuff like that when you're kind of like fleshing out your your forms, or is it sort of freehand like whatever kind of feels right? I I. I've always had a pretty decent compositional sense, which sounds very braggadocious, and I, I don't mean to say it. like my my, my color hate. sense and my compositional sense was were two things that I didn't ever have to fight too much. If anything, I have to watch that I don't do the same thing over and over, and that's okay. the biggest thing that I, I make sure I don't like keep falling into the same compositional uh, set um, uh-huh. a ton of times. But like for the most part, I feel like. When I lay out a page, if there's a lot of talking, I'll lay out the bubbles first and then fit right. all of my action around those bubbles. And sure. if I'm laying out a page and there's a lot of action, I obviously just lay out the action and if there, and, and how that's going to react to the um, sound effects. So, it, again, it's like right. all very – it depends on what I'm doing. Right. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Do you uh, do you do much perspective grid laying out, or do you do you kind of like to just eyeball that? I use some perspective grid. It depends. It depends what it is. Not right. for like. Yeah, it always not, depends. All not, of it for, depends. not for like trees, but like right. if there's a city, I'll I'll put a vanishing point in there, and I'll like rough it out, and then I'll like freehand the city around it. But I'll like yeah. put the lines in so that like it doesn't look like all the buildings are like leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I'm glad to hear you say that because that that is kind of my approach too. I like to I like to have the foundation that's right. very like you know mathematical and like yeah. sound you know. And I took some perspective classes which really helped. But like I like in inks particularly just sort of like using that as a guideline and having a little bit of life to sort of my buildings and stuff. Right. So that stuff feels like I I do so much stuff that's weathered that you know I'm not right. I'm not a big like let me get a ruler out and draw the edge of this building. Yeah. Especially in orcs, yeah, like every environment feels so, and it's not like you're drawing, you know, giant cityscapes in orcs, but like anything that is, Lived you know, in. I mean, relatively, even, even yeah. the dwarf caverns, I want them to feel like it's carved out of stone, it's lived in, they're very precise right. craftsmen, but it's still like, this has been here for like a century or two. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, that makes total sense. Um, well, Christine, I, I could keep you here all night, you know, asking <laughs> you uh, a million other questions about process. But I feel like at this point, you know, I, I've been trying to be at least a little better about keeping my interviews around uh, an hour and a half or less. And we've gone a little over that. So I'm, I'm okay. going to cut myself off here. Right, um, but tell all of the listeners where they can find you, what they should be looking for, all that stuff. Give okay. them all the plugs. I am Larson Project uh, on Instagram. That's all lowercase. And um, uh, also Larson Project on the Twitters. And you can find me at thelarsonproject.com. <laughs> That's yeah. my website. And I will say, if you're if if the listeners out there, you know, if you've read Orcs and you've read By Night and you know what what all that other stuff, if you're looking, if you're like, I need some more Larson content, uh, you do have your big cartel store uh, where you can find uh, oh, some so, of the short form. So that's okay. I haven't used. I actually should take that down. So don't oh. don't go to my big cartel. Go to my website because my website has okay. a store, and that uh-huh. store you can buy like digital copies of Holy Diver. I have so right. many copies of Unicorn Fight Squad. So please buy some for me hell yeah <laughs> that came through on a kickstarter they gave me like a thousand copies i did it with a bunch of other people that handled it right. and they sent me like two boxes and i'm like oh no <laughs> and now there's no cons so please buy some of that <laughs> there we go okay yeah, yeah. so that's yeah christine larson illustration.com slash store yeah. um <laughs> Well, awesome. Uh, uh, the last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show, Christine, is why do you love comics? Oh, I feel like it's the best way for the one of the funnest ways to read something, but also one of the best ways for me to express myself as an artist and a person. Christine, thank you for joining the show. All right. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> And thank you once more to Christine for joining the show. You can follow her at Larson underscore project on Twitter or at Larson project on Instagram. Thanks to Sean Rosner for the music that opens and closes and plays throughout the show. You can follow him on Instagram at Sean the Rosner. Uh, Thanks to panel by panel for supporting the show. Amazing. Love panel by panel magazine. Go check them out. Um, And thank you all for listening. I cannot wait for every single episode that's coming. Honestly, like it's awesome. Again, it's awesome being back, you know, at this point, like we're so far away from the hiatus now that there's people listening who don't know what I mean by that. We're back, Um, you know, but, but it truly is awesome just seeing how, 
things line up. I mean, I'm just on this rolling thing of like a month's worth of guests are lined up to record and people are really digging the show and, you know, people that I absolutely am so excited to talk, talk to and, and whose work I love exploring. Um, it's just really cool. And, and, you know, I, I like to think that they, you know, that I am able to pull some interesting stuff that you don't necessarily hear in every interview with these people. Um, and so it's cool. I, I love trying to compile these lists of, of questions and sort of like outline my interviews and, and think of things that, that everyone out there, you know, cartoonists, artists, writers, whoever would want to hear, um, or people who are just really interested in craft. Right. And so, you know, and also again, like if, if you have thoughts on the show, ideas, whatever, please feel free to send them to me. I would absolutely love to, to hear any ideas you might have. Um, you can find me at Jason Halftones on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find the show at TMBC Workshop on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, you know, let me know any ideas you have, or if you're just digging the show and you just want more of it, let people know. Leave a rating, leave a review, tweet about it, share it on Instagram, whatever. Let your friends know that the show is out here um, and, and that they might, you know, enjoy it or get something out of it. I don't know. Um, but really, that's that's all I've got this week. That's all I've got for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening and uh, work your ass off. That might be cool.com. You never know.